the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Every morning is a new opportunity to take in the news of the day and the challenges of life and try to make sense of it all. Right now, we've got a show that tackles the topics and asks what you think. So get ready to start your day with a bold look at history as it happens. Let's learn, live, and sometimes laugh together. It's the Mark Davis Show on 660 AM. The answer. All right, everybody. Welcome, welcome. It is February 9th, 2024. Uh, on February 9th of, uh, of, of 2064, uh, I, don't, I don't think I'll be around. I'm trying to stay healthy, but they will uh, they'll probably say, wow, Beatles on Ed Sullivan 100 years ago. They may also say 40 years ago back in 2024. That was when the Biden candidacy came to its effective end. But I'll tell you what, slicing and dicing through all of that in this, our final hour of the week, it begins with the official proclamation. Ladies and gentlemen, right here on our show, it's Friday. Wow! I feel good. I feel good. Ow! I feel good. I feel good. I feel good. You want me to say I feel good? I feel good. 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 It was a little raw. As with many performances, they could scarcely hear themselves or each other. But they fought through it. And the country and the world were forever changed. That is the Beatles on Ed Sullivan 60 years ago tonight. So we've played a couple of moments of that. This was like the easiest decision ever. I am so blessed for the friendship because he's also just one of the most fascinating people I've ever known. But George Gamark, whose DFW career is a radio personality, goes well back into the 70s at the zoo at KZEW programming the edge and, and, you know just unbelievable radio history but look there are a lot of radio guys out there but how many of them become historians how many of them run museums how many of them have this amazing catalog of stuff that has benefited me here on the show in so so very many ways so you know who are you going to call there is no other choice. My buddy George Gamark is here for a little little music, a little history, a little end-of-the-week celebration. How you doing, my friend? God, I'd love to meet that guy. <laughs> exactly. I feel, <laughs> I, feel, I, feel I feel good, too. I feel so good to have you. I, it's interesting because I think you and I are. Are we pretty close to ex- – when's your birthday in 1957? Uh, May 8th. Okay. Uh, I will respect my elders because as a November 13th baby <laughs> – you're, you're a half a year. So we are of the same. Or th- th- let's compare notes. I told everybody I have no memory of the Beatles on Ed Sullivan because uh, I was cheating. I was in England. I was in the, the location of uh, not Beatlemania, but the Beatles themselves. Dad was stationed at the. You have no at, excuse. 
Exactly. But it's funny. Somebody ought to note you. You should look into this like you don't have enough time on your hands. What what was the UK thinking? What was England thinking 60 years ago tonight? They didn't see the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. That means nor did I. But did you did six year old George. Do this. Okay, so here's the weird thing. Mr. Musichead here Uh grew up in a household with with three older brothers. Right. And we did not have the Beatles in our house. Wow. Ever, ever. ever. So when was your first young person awareness of them as as a phenomenon, like listening to a Wings album in 1974? No, no, no. It would have been in 64 because there was a friend of our family, a girl who was a year older than me, Uh who was mad about them. And and I couldn't work out what in the world she was talking about. Well, uh, we now know. The next time they really, they really kind of come into my consciousness, aside from hearing them on Top 40 Radio, I listen to a a lot of Top 40 Radio from, say, 66 on. Gotcha. Was the day it was announced the Beatles broke up and the entire, you know, uh, school was... You know, girls crying. Of course. Of course. And we were all 12 ish. So, DFW kids of that era were were catching a lot of Beatles records on what? Like on the mighty uh, KLIF? Oh, they would have been hearing them on, yeah, on Cliff and and K Box. Uh, Although neither one of them picked up on it really very early. They kind of waited until, uh, you know, the Capitol thing started happening. Um, those, Those first records. You know, they came out on a whole bunch of different labels because Capital wasn't really a believer in the product. Mm-hmm. And so when the stuff was available to be licensed, you end up getting, you know, VJ put some stuff out and then Swan put some stuff out and Tali put some stuff out. And they started getting a little traction like December of 63 and, and what have you. One of, one of the prizes I have in my record collection, and I mean, this is, this is a genuine uh, treasure for me, is I have... Uh, the Beat Brothers with Tony Sh- or Tony Sheridan with the Beat Brothers on Decca, forty-five, uh, which was sent to a radio station in San Francisco. It's a promo. It has their call letters written on it, and then it has the date. I think it's it's something like uh, March fifth, uh, nineteen sixty-two. So almost two years before the Beatles appear on Sullivan, this radio station receives a quote. Beatles record. Now, Tony They're Sheridan part. is on some early lab. So who were the Beat Brothers? That's the Beatles. But I mean, who? But I mean, Ringo's not in the in the fold yet, is he? No, no, no. That's the no. The Beat Brothers are. Yeah, that is that is the uh, original version with Pete Best. Gotcha. Wow. So, the, so everything happens. Really cool thing, everything but, happens so fast. Sixty two turns to sixty three. You have like she loves you, and I want to hold your hand on radio. And then the night comes when when Ed Sullivan announces <clears throat> February 9th, We're putting the Beatles on. The Beatles were on Ed Sullivan three times during that month. Correct. So place us there in that in that okay. stretch of history. Let's let's explode a little myth here because I mean this is this is kind of a weird thing. They're on three times. They appeared before. A live, a live audience twice. Whoa, what happened? Ooh, how about that? Okay, so um, as far as we know, they show up on the ninth, mm-hmm. and they do two sets. Uh, first part of the show and opening the second part of the show, and they do a total of five songs. Mm-hmm. And then the next week, they come back and, and do another six songs. Then the third week, February 23rd, 64, they're not in America. 
they had recorded those three songs the afternoon before the debut on Sullivan. Wow. They had a theater full of people, and they recorded those songs ahead of time and just canned them for two weeks. Why? Because uh, they weren't going to be in the country. No, it's, it's that's, that's a good reason. Logistics. <laughs> I'm sorry, we're busy. Oh, man. They weren't going to hop on the Concord and make it over. Mm-hmm. So, so, uh, so, so when this happened, Be- so, Be- so Beatlemania as defined, does it start, I, I guess it starts before Ed Sullivan because they already had several singles in the chart. Of course. Huge. After, after that, though, I mean, almost, and then you have the rest of 64 come out, and then by 65, Rubber Soul and Revolver 66. Within a couple of years, they're not even touring anymore because everything was just so fast and so fast-tracked. So so what does 60 years ago tonight mean? I think of Elvis being on with, with Dewey Phillips on Red Hot and Blue in 19, just 10 years prior in 1954. What is What is this night 60 years ago? What does it mean? Changes well, the the hacky expression is it changes America forever. Right. Um, it inspired so many teenagers. And, okay, teenage girls, you know, opened up their pocketbooks. Teenage boys opened up their minds. Yep. Suddenly, it was not necessarily the Beach Boys and Elvis and Little Richard. It was something else. And there's a whole bunch of young boys out there that all of a sudden decide this is this is really cool we can do this and you have the the dawn of the garage band era and that that sweeps across america in months and all of a sudden kids are buying uh the gear and starting to grow their hair out and within it within a year it, it transform uh, uh, american music and i i got to hate to think of what the beach boys must have thought about all of this because they were just hitting their bubble but in they, 64. Obviously, they did okay. It's not like the Beach Boys were eating dog food, you know, in, in the mid-60s. Yeah, but they were they were the bright boys at Capitol. And all yeah. of a sudden, Capitol had a had a brighter boys. Gotcha. But, we, but, but so, for the Beatles, how big would the Beach Boys have been? And I, wow. So uh, as, as this... As this all plays out, it's funny, you you talk about the people who might have seen, I read a lot, I'm sure you do too, read a lot of music biographies. In yours and my teenage wheelhouse, by the time we're listening to the to, to Tom, not to, a young adult wheelhouse, you know, because Tom Petty and his, any, Tom Petty born 1950. So he's 14, watching, 13, 14, watching the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. So many people in our 70s musical taste wheelhouse were watching the Beatles and, and that's how it changed history forever because countless acts might not have been inspired, but for that night on TV. Yeah, and, and I, I think it was it was inevitable. Um, the Beatles were somehow going to happen in America. Uh, I think it was I think it was a perfect moment because you also had you know there's the there's the historians will tell you oh you know America was depressed because of President Kennedy and they were looking for anything to put joy back in their heart. And there might be something to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the uh, the Beatles, I mean, geez, Sullivan typically would have like 20 million viewers. This night, he had 73. 73 million. He more than tripled his audience for that show. 
Oh my God. <laughs> exactly. And also when you were saying that the Beatles were on and played six songs, even, you know, it's sort of in the Carol Burnett era of variety. So it's not, not even a decade later, somebody would be on, you'd have one musical guest. They do one song, maybe two. He like handed them the keys to the car. You know, here's another, here's another really big thing. And a lot of music historians won't talk about this because I don't know. It, maybe it's too obscure. The power of Sullivan also laid with its advertising Mm -hmm. immediately before the Beatles came on. They played an Anison spot. And what did Anison prevent? Headaches. Headache, neuritis, neuralgia. Mm -hmm. Two-thirds of those wiped out. Wiped out. No more neuritis, no more neuralgia, just headaches because of the Beatles. That's my theory. I'm going with it. It's totally the last thing. Because you know what this underscores to me? Let's every few months let's just do something. I mean, dude, you're a, you're an untapped resource, even though it's uh, what last thing to the to the degree that you know. Ed Sullivan was I'm I guess in his early sixties that night. What did he yeah, think? What yeah, did he what, was 60, I think he was sixty one? What did he think of them? Uh you know, he seemed to be chummy with them. Um, but I don't know if I think he was I, I think he was an opportunistic guy because he he was in that that side of the business where he it was all about getting eyes and ears, and he knew this this was something. Yeah. So almost what he thinks of them is secondary to the fact of does it help the show? And I guess you could say right. that it did. Well, man, let but me to be fair. Yeah. Jack Parr put him on his show first in a in a film clip. But Sullivan had him in person. That's and that's all all the difference. And how much and how much impact did Jack Parr have? Well, I I know. I mean, he's the guy who preceded Johnny Carson. But to me, all he is is the best TV talk show host in history. I love so me some Jack Parr. I love me some Jack Parr. Always will. And I love you. Listen, everybody, just go Google George. Throw me a website. Throw me some things you write, things you do, things you collect, things you you're just someone. It, it will be a value for everyone to know and know about. If you care about music, care about the culture, care about DFW radio history, George Gamark, G-I-M-A-R-C. Where can I send people to to tap into the um, resource that is? Well, you? I don't know. I've got some goof. I've got some goofy stuff up on YouTube. You know, uh, whatever. Well, listen, and here's the other thing. Other than music, which I obviously love, George is also a chronicler and appreciator of what I still believe to be the purest art form in American performance, and that's stand-up comedy. It's you, your brain, your thoughts, your mouth, and that's it. It either works or it doesn't. You're, you've done networks and compilations and stuff like that. What's uh, what, what, are, what are you doing in, in that realm? Uh, in in year fourteen of my of my national uh, network, if somebody wants to hear what it sounds like, there's there's an app out there called Odyssey, and you look for comedy now, and that's it. It's safe for work comedy. It's not it's not family friendly. It's safe. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's just that sweet it spot. Have, it does have all the people you'd expect and a ton of people you've never heard of because my library is 30,000 tracks deep. All right, I got to ask you cuz you've sent me st- you've sent me people that I'd never heard of and now I have we could do an hour on this. State of the art right now because I grew up listening to Cosby, George Carlin albums, then Richard Pryor. The, this is this is the, you know, the the Mount Rushmore of comedy. But I take a look at folks now. I think Nate Bargatze is a genius. Uh, there's some folks working right now. Just what, what's your thought about the state of the art form now? Uh, we're, we're in a, we're in a, 
a, a golden age right now. Comedy is, I mean, geez, the fact that network or Netflix spends as much money yeah. putting comedy uh-huh. on, on their platform as they do. Um, I mean, as troublesome as he is from time to time, I have deep respect for Dave Chappelle because he's absolutely fearless. You know, I, I'm going uh, to be really frank. You're totally right, and that's why I love him. The most recent Chappelle, the dreamer. Dave Chappelle doing things that get him in trouble is funny. Dave Chappelle talking about himself endlessly about being in trouble, somewhat less funny. But he opened with a, with a, with a troublesome joke, which was, was, Oh, I know both the best. <laughs> yes, Absolutely he does. Perfect. Yes, he does. All right. And, uh, George, George Gamark, YouTube, Google, whatever comedy now on the Odyssey app. And just thank you. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. Uh, we got to get together like in real life really soon. Okay, and I'm glad I could actually remember all of this because of my advanced age. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. He's, uh, that's George Gamark, a sympathetic. Not many people want to talk about Stu Sutcliffe these days. He's a sympathetic, well-meaning elderly man. <laughs> it's my buddy George Gamark. Nine twenty-six. Back to life. Back to reality. Back to this seemed appropriate. Little soul to soul. 1989. Time to get back to life, back to reality. Although, in an interesting way, history and stuff like this is a part of reality. Super Bowl this weekend, big story. That's it's reality in a way. Ay, ay, ay. I have, when I'm so certain of something, when I'm so certain of something, it makes me think the other thing might happen. <laughs> been stung too many times. I can't remember when I've been so certain of a Super Bowl as I am now. Uh, Chiefs all the way. Uh, Niners are really good, but this is Andy Reid, man. This, this is Patrick Mahomes, a real leader. They, they they go to the Super Bowl like we go to the store for juice. It's it's that familiar. So I just get just Chiefs, Chiefs all the way, and whatever that does, however many times we end up seeing Taylor and Travis on the screen, whatever. I just want I just want people to be happy. Good for them. All right, I'm happy going to the newsroom, and then happy coming out and talking to you. Eight six 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 zero five seven five nine. Mark Davis, Nikki is in the news world. Always love these kinds of records. They're part of my wheelhouse, man. It's 1975. Here on The Quiet Storm. The time is right. Major Harrison, love won't let me wait. Hold me tight. And love's got me high. Major Harris, real name on the birth certificate, would have been 77 today, passed away back in 12. Please tell me. He was in the Delphonics in the late 60s. Remember, la, la, la means I love you. Didn't I blow your mind this time? Not tonight. Alrighty. What a great record that was, man. And that's what was so awesome, you know? And just just a a Beatles on Ed Sullivan 60 years ago tonight. You know, 10 years later, it's the mid-70s, and I'm working my way through high school. And it was just a little bit of everything. It was a little bit of everything. It was rock. It was pop. It was soul. It was country. It was R&B. It was just everything. And and, and top 40 radio was a thing. Now, every, everything is so narrow-casted, not broadcasted, but narrow-casted into narrow taste. Everybody just likes this particular type of pop or this particular type of everything. I don't know. It, it is a good life in which you immerse a whole lot of styles of, oh, everything. 
Let's immerse ourselves in a whole lot of styles of your phone calls and thoughts and this and thus and such. 866-660-5759. We are in Wiley. Michael, welcome. How are you doing? Happy Friday. Good. How are you? Good. Thank you. How's your son, by the way, Ethan, right? Yes, he's doing super. He's 20. You believe it? Oh, get out. <laughs> Tell me. <laughs> Regina's 32, dude. The time, time, stop, does, time. Stop. It's the Mark Davis show. She was five. Hey, I know, seriously. I'll, just, I'll make this real brief. When I, I've worked for the IRS for half my career and ATF for the other half. Mm-hmm. And the majority of that career has been devoted to who do we refer to criminal investigation right. and how do we make those decisions. And I can tell you, quite frankly, that every every time I made a referral to criminal investigation, I had to answer a box on the form that said, what's their mental health, mm-hmm. what's their physical health, and what's their age? And I can tell you uh, with 100% certainty, a lot of the times the subject or the target would never know that we made a decision not to prosecute him or her because of those factors. Mm-hmm. Now. Having said that, the special prosecutor comes out and says, Biden did this, 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 and I'm not going to prosecute him because uh, of his uh, mental instability. Mm -hmm. If I was investigating you, Mark, you would never know I made that decision. I don't know why that was put out. Okay, uh, what a great point and what a great question, especially with your level of experience. Because if you're... And Comey said, right. remember Comey? Of Comey course. said, she did this, did this, did this, but I don't think a jury is going to prosecute her. Right, but that was Comey being biased. This is Robert Hur being yeah, honest. Point. You know, and the difference is, because if you're investigating me, I mean, I don't know how big a public figure I am, but if, let's say it's you're investigating somebody who is not a public figure at right. all. The reason they're not going to know is is because it turned out to be a night. It turned out to be a non-prosecution. So they never know when it when it's this public an event, a public figure, an elected official and a and a and a, a special counsel where millions of sets of eyes are on the rationale that'll be used, that's why it comes out. It is a very good question because ordinarily it's you know, you don't want it all, always to come out. You know, we're investigating Joe Blow who lives down in Granbury and you know well, the reason we're not gonna do that is because we don't think he has all of his marbles. Next case, no, you don't want that for a private citizen. But in a deal as big as this where it's the leader of the free world, that's why it comes out out and i think it's necessary that it comes out thank you sir appreciate it very very much so what kind of infirmity are we uh are we talking about like i said it gets worse every time i play it simple truth is i sat for a five-hour interview over two days of events going back 40 years at the same time i was managing international crisis their task was to make a decision about whether to move forward with charges in this case that's their decision to make. That's the council's decision to make. That's his job. And they decided not to move forward. For any extraneous commentary, they don't know what they're talking about. Well, really, so in deciding not to prosecute you, they're geniuses. But in making observations about your mental infirmity, they're no longer geniuses. It has no place in this report. The bottom line is the matter is now closed. I'm going to continue what I've always focused on, my job of being president of the United States of America. Now, thank you, and I'll take some questions. Oh, whose idea was this? To be out there in the first place and then to take questions? Uh, 
Peter Ducey, Fox News. President Biden, something the special counsel said in his report is that one of the reasons you were not charged is because, in his description, you are a well-meaning elderly man with a poor memory. I'm well-meaning and I'm an elderly man and I know what the hell I'm doing. I've been president and I put this country back on its feet. Wow. I don't need his recommendation. It's How totally bad out. is your memory and can you continue as president? My memory is so bad I let you speak. Now that's half clever. It's a little bit of angry old man, but I'm going to give partial points. My memory is so bad I let you speak. Yeah, that was the last uh, lucid thing that we heard. That's uh, that's that's my memory has gotten worse, Mr. President. My memory is not good. My memory is fine. My memory. Take a look at what I've done since I've become president. Okay, this is the thing. This is oh, I you tell you who you do not want to be. Tell you who you do. Think about it. Think about it. Who do you not want to be this afternoon? Corrine Jean-Pierre. I almost feel sorry for her. The key word is almost. None of you thought I could pass any of the things I got passed. How'd that happen? Because somebody's running the country. It ain't you. To whatever degree that you've been able to pull off the poisonous agenda that you envisioned on Inauguration Day, that's other people. You know, I guess I just forgot what was going on. Mr. President, Mr. President. They're not done. And then from here on out, it ain't Fox. It's it's the members of the press corps that love him. Concerns about your age. How are you going to assuage them? And do you fear that this report is only going to fuel further concerns about your age? Only by some of you. Mr. President, Mr. President, Mr. I take responsibility for not having seen exactly what my staff was doing. There's, it goes in and points out things that appeared in my garage, things that came out of my home. Yeah, boy. And, and the, my memory is fine, he said. And just a little bit later, he referred to Cece, the president of Mexico, who is, of course, the president of Egypt. We're in Dallas. Mike, Mark Davis, welcome. How are you? I'm, I am well, but I'm still laughing. He's such a bless his heart. I know, Just bless his heart. I know it's it's sad. I mean, pol- you know, political things aside. I, I mean, if you can even put them aside, but this is this is it is sad. I don't want him to die. I don't want him to be infirm, but I don't want him screwing up my country either. Amen. Well, <laughs> and and part of and the reason I called was that this impeachment thing for me has lost its luster, has lost its teeth since Clinton. And I just don't think the the Republicans can can impeach a contractor, and I am one. I just don't believe it, it it's doing anything. That, that's is it wheel spinning? Is it because because you know that it would go nowhere? He's not going to be a yeah. Guess what? If he leaves office, it ain't going to be impeachment. It'll be the twenty fifth amendment. And if he's not the nominee, it won't be impeachment. It'll be because Democrats moved whatever you know, invisible threads they have to move to have somebody else there. Uh, it would, just once again, every time I say this, I want to give fair shrift to the people who are pro-impeachment and say do it anyway because it would be weeks and weeks of television where everybody would learn everything that's been dreadful about this presidency. But you got a strong point, and that is that that in 19, you know, the late 90s where we're impeaching Clinton, it was a, a an abject lesson of the fact that it doesn't it doesn't ultimately do anything in terms of changing who the president is. And in Clinton's case, it made him more popular. Go figure. 9.48. Okay. Uh, opening of morning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, morning Joe today. 
The special counsel wrote that the president could also portray himself at trial as an elderly man with a poor memory who would be sympathetic to a jury. Hers description. And And Joe just can't believe it. First of all, for Joe, for Joe Scarborough or Biden, the reason it was in there. Hang on. Neurologist and a lawyer. Neurologist and a lawyer. Ain't nobody a neurologist. You don't have to be a neurologist to know that Joe Biden is senile. The reason this prosecutorial authority, the reason the special counsel made that observation is it was his job to assess what the likelihood would be of a successful prosecution. And that likelihood is low because Joe Biden is not all there. Let me just finish, but I agree. Well, no, but no, but, but, no, but we kind of need to stop there. A neurologist. You're talking about her. Her mm-hmm. from Trump University. No. And uh, I mean, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just I've got. <laughs> Tough times on MSNBC, man. Stop right here. I know we want to go on and, and, and finish this report, but I've just got to start. Ken, uh, Ken Delanian, so bizarre. And there's so many people that immediately heard this, these random, random conclusions. Not random at all. Very specific. Irrelevant conclusions. Very, very relevant to the notion of whether somebody could, in, uh, could be the subject of a successful prosecution. Uh, politically charged Trump-like uh, uh, Trump-like, mm, that's a compliment Trump-like uh, ramblings uh, who, first of all, wondered why in the world he would put that in a report Because, Joe, it's germane to what his report was an assessment of the prosecutability of Joe Biden oh, Do I have I'm here every day, and it's free, (laughs) and I've been so grateful to be here this week. Got a couple of things to wrap up with next. Before Tapestry, the album that made her huge, there's an album called Writer. 1970, Carole King's first album, This Is Child of Mine. So let me thank you for listening. Let me thank you for going to 660amtheanswer.com. Let's save some children today with food for the poor. If you can go to 660amtheanswer.com today, kick off the weekend with something that'll make you feel so good. A one-time gift of $80 feeds two kids for a year. Go to 660amtheanswer.com. Click Give Life. Those kids thank you. I've held them in my arms in Haiti and Guatemala. I've seen what you can do. Thank you so very, very much. And thanks for listening. Thanks to and from producer Rhonda K. Moreland on Twitter, on X, and producer Rhonda K. Thank you, Mr. Matt, for the technical guru skills and conferring them upon an even more valuable member of the team, Jimmy Kersey, who will join us next week running the show while Matt goes off and has a well-deserved week off. So everybody have a fantastic, fantastic week, weekend, and we'll see you for a brand new week on Monday. God bless our country, our troops, our families. Be good. Go Chiefs. See you Monday. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.